0: Law Focus Podcast Law Focus, point, point of information Good evening and welcome to another edition of Law Focus My name is Millicent Induweni and I am not alone I am with Mr. Attorney
1: Tapa Mohapi
0: And together we will be your voice of law for the evening Right here on VFM 88.1 So, this past weekend we celebrated Youth Day Yeah where were you 43 years ago, Tapo?
1: No, I was still a twinkle in my father's eye, <laughs> I'm not that old.
0: So you were not part of the 1976 Soweto no, Youth no, Uprising. No, no. Okay, well, we would like to celebrate Youth Day by obviously reflecting on the relationship between youth and the police. Yeah. But in particular, we want to look at how much force police can exert. Yeah. Remember in 1976, the protest was about the youth feeling that Africans cannot be accepted as a medium of instruction. instruction,
1: It was the final straw in a long list of of complaints against apartheid in general. And so
0: they decided to take to the streets and the police during apartheid were required to be violent if I can put it that way. They needed to be very forceful in how they related to people who were always ready to cause chaos. The black masses who were not willing to be under their subjugation yeah. and the authority of the apartheid regime.
1: Yeah, I mean the police force was a very important part of ensuring uh, that the apartheid structures remained in place. Mm-hmm. Uh, and and their primary use of uh, of law enforcement and in inverted commerce was in fact uh, to be terrorizing exactly. the indigenous population. Exactly.
0: So we want to Look at that and and ask the police whether they are happy with how the police force has been throughout now democracy yeah. if there are any changes in particular the you know pertaining the the violent nature that is so turbulent uh, within the police force and this is not mm. just a South African problem by the way it 's a global phenomenon because
1: well, well, I mean, it's a global phenomenon in, in certain respects. In America, we had our Black Lives Matter mm. movement. Um, certainly, it wouldn't seem to affect the majority of white Americans, mm. uh, but, I mean, the minority of Americans, particularly African Americans, seem to be on the receiving end of a great deal of um, 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 police...
0: Injustices and brutality.
1: Brutality, as, you know, as overkill, as, and, and literally overkill sometimes.
0: And that is why this conversation is so important, yeah. especially in light of it being youth yeah. month.
1: 43 years later, 43 what, has, years changed what is has changed what we, is what we really And this
0: conversation is so important because 5,500 cases between 2014 and 2018 have been opened against the police, and 3,500 of those are of torture and assault. Mm. And only 1.9% of these results in convictions. Wow. Can you imagine after... You've been strangled, tubed, suffocated, and you don't get the justice that you think you deserve. So, I think our guest this evening, who is going to be Brigadier Denise Bierkus, she is Head of Labor uh, Litigation and Resources Support in the Provincial Legal Services Department in Gauteng, will help us to look at some of the things that have been happening within the police force. and how the police and the youth actually relates to each other and in particular,
1: man. yes. I mean there's, there, there, there can be a great deal of friction between the youth and law enforcement because the youth are sometimes the most volatile and sometimes the most vocal portions of our population. When I say the youth I mean sort of late teens and early twenties. Mm. Uh, they can be and we've seen that with the uh, Fismas 4 movements in the old days you saw it with the uh, uh, so, the uprising of children mm. so there can be some tensions there because of just the the, 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 the positions that the two groups occupy yeah. in society
0: yes and also to help us unpack these issues further will be professor peter geordie who's going to analyze for us the complexities of some of these challenges
1: yeah. Well, now, of course, this wouldn't be a conversation without your input. And if you wish to join the conversation, you can send us a tweet on at VowFM using the hashtag LawFocus. You can also send us a voice note on WhatsApp. The number to dial is 084-078-4912. Remember, you're tuned into Law Focus at VowFM 88.1.
0: But before we get into the main topic, we're going to first cross over to our Legal Hotspots, which are the hottest and the biggest legal stories of the week.
2: Rounding up all, all the top stories of the week Legal Hotspots.
0: So, a case has been lost by A particular political party.
1: Surprise, surprise. Let's guess. Don't be like that. Don't be like that. The EFF has lost another court case.
0: Shame. And this is against Trevor Manuel, who obviously opened a case of defamation against them. And the issue here is that the EFF said that, accused Trevor of nepotism and corruption by saying that. He is a close ally and actually a relative of the current SARS commissioner, Edward Kisweta. Mr. Manuel didn't take kindly to this accusation. And he went and he opened a case of defamation against the political party Hmm. who were previously ordered to apologize to Mr. Manuel. But they didn't.
1: And pay five hundred thousand. Now they have to damage. pay
0: five hundred thousand in damages. Tell mm-hmm. me, like let me tell you, they are not happy. They so are. they tried to appeal the high courts. The South Harding High Court refused to give them leave to appeal, and they have now managed to successfully get it from the Supreme Court of Appeals. So we are yet to see how that is going to unfold.
1: Yeah, well, I mean that's somewhat part of the process that if you fail to appeal a matter to the full bench in, at the um, lower court at the local division here that you're at, you take it to. The SCA. I'm a little bit concerned at... um and uh, The fact that the EFF tends to be losing quite a few of its more important cases. That's not, of course, to say that they haven't won case. They have mm. won quite a few important cases, but they, in recent weeks they've been losing quite a few cases. I'm not surprised at this outcome, to be honest with you. You cannot <laughs> make accusations like that without anything Evidence. to break it up. Okay, now moving a little bit further away in the Eastern Cape, a 38-year-old father in uh, P.E. If you think back to April 2018, there was some protests regarding the demolition of illegal shacks. This father wanted to protest that, uh, you know, protest against his shack being demolished. He got onto the roof of his shack and basically threw his child off the roof. That is crazy. Of The shack, if you guys remember this. I'm not
0: sure what was he protesting against, really being a father or. The demolition of the property, because what is throwing a child off a roof have anything to do with your property not being destroyed? I mean, Illegal people, property, not that it's right.
1: Yeah, people do amazingly uh, stupid things when they are under stress. Um, what is interesting here is that he's finally had his day in court and he's been given a suspended sentence by the new Brighton Magistrates Court.
0: Do you think he's back at home raising the, uh, his
1: child. It, this this would be of concern. I expect that there will be conditions attached to his suspended sentence, uh, but the fact that he isn't in jail is interesting uh, because of the victim involved is a minor and a very, very young vulnerable. child as well. Very vulnerable. And who knows, next time he has a fight with the mother of his child or anybody else, will the child now become uh, part of, of that protest against this individual mm. you know very worrying but okay that is what has happened a suspended sentence for that man there uh, and moving a little bit closer to Ivory Park in Midrand and um, a man was caught raping allegedly uh, caught raping two teenage girls aged 18 and 14 in the bushes apparently the girls were screaming for help and uh, members of the community heard them and approached the scene. Uh, Two of the suspects escaped and one of them was caught by uh, the community and he was castrated. Uh, using his own knife mm. uh, and two cases have been opened one of murder and the other of rape now this is obviously a mob justice case and it's a reflection of the lack of faith in police it uh, is. services because uh, I mean to actually go to the extent of using a knife on, a, on, on on another person's privates is extreme
0: I guess it's 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 a difficult one it's one that needs a lot of empathy as well Mm. because both acts are not at all acts that we should um, ever condone. Mm. You cannot rape people and at the same time uh, the castration also seems rather extreme to be quite honest. But I don't know, in the Netherlands, a child, a teenager who had also been suffering sexual harassment and molestation yes, since yes. the age of 14, 11. Or
1: 11, yes, Since 11. the age of 11. Yeah.
0: She found herself dealing with a post-traumatic stress disorder, yeah. depression, yeah. anorexia, and she ended her life because of that. Yeah. So it's one of those things
1: Well, what she did was she successfully applied uh, for an assisted sort of suicide, which is available to you under certain circumstances in the Netherlands. And given her state of mind, her health, etc. And no young person should
0: have to ever make such a decision because of someone who decided to take away their dignity, their bodily integrity by raping them. I think that is just not on.
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, But... um, Until an individual is is, is found guilty by a court of law, they are a suspect and not a convict.
0: And not a convict, yeah, Yeah. true. So we must
1: bear that in mind. Mm,
0: The law matter. Well, um, we could have asked you, our listener, if you have suffered at the hands of police. So, have you suffered at the hands of police?
1: No, actually, I haven't suffered at the hands of police. The police have generally been um, fine in my interactions with them, particularly in my time as an attorney. I didn't really interact with them prior to that. I never had a reason to. Uh, however, there have been a one or two disappointments. I found them to be okay. They've been fine. Uh, one or two disappointments. My home was broken into about two or so months ago, and I'm still waiting for the forensics guys to come and take fingerprints. Ish. I mean, I still have the idea. Hopefully you there. won't wait
0: for 10 years. Yeah, well. Well, I have a good news story for, for from my side. I remember being stuck with the keys uh, inside the car. I was um, f- coming from work, and I had no way of getting back yeah. home. And the police were really, really nice to me. They helped me make phone calls. They were so kind. And, um... That is my good news story. So instead of asking you whether you've suffered at the hands of police, because we thought we don't want to preempt your line of thinking, you know, maybe like me, you've got a positive story to tell. Maybe like Teppo, it's a bit of a mixed reaction. Maybe it's someone else, with someone else, it's completely negative. We decided to ask you the young person listening to us as part of our youth celebration what do you think of police in this country and hopefully we've got the brigadier listening to your answers as you give her your pulse of wisdom hi my name is noah Kukavilla. i'm doing my second year bsc um what i think on like the police we have is that i don't like their service like Uh, when you go there uh, for affidavit or whatever it's just so rude especially the women and um, I think um, they should really like uh, I don't know put more force because um, sometimes you know Uh, There are things that are happening, like robbery, whatever, and people, when you go there, even like rape, when you go there, uh, I have a friend who went there, and then they were like, nah, you were at a party, this and that, just, uh, yeah, please, Mr. President, fix that. Okay, this is Anonymous. I'm a student at VETS, um, starting PhD. Um, How do I feel about the police in this country? Well, this is kind of a tricky question. But from my point of view, uh, my experience is that being an international student, I don't feel secure. Um, I feel like the police are not protecting us, especially foreign uh, people in this country. Um, This is kind of different, like if you are in town centers and you see the police, a person needs to feel secure but it's kind of different from this country. I feel like it's we're not protected enough. Uh, so I'm not protected.
2: Thank you. Uh, my name is Mtandeik Ntlambuzi. I'm a vet student. I'm studying electrical engineering second year. And my view on the police in this country is very it, it's obscure because I can't really say that all of them are the same. You see, so the, I I feel like majority are more in it for like the money and the privileges. You see, because like a lot, like in a lot of places the the reaction time to like a, an emergency or a crime is like it's it's quite slow like an hour like people wait hours for for the police to respond to the emergencies the way in other areas like it's it's quick like ten minutes the police are there what happened you get like some help sometimes even catch the criminals on time you see but like for certain areas maybe like townships or whatever uh, the service is really bad like it's it's quite horrible to be honest with you because because I they broke into my house I think like two years ago and we called the cops and then the cops are like they're on their way we called them like maybe like five minutes after the incident happened like the guy was gone already and then the cops came like an hour later like literally an hour we sat in the house thinking the guy's gonna come back maybe try to finish us off because he had a gun you see so like my my view is that it's the police force right now is filled with a lot of lazy people that don't deserve to be there and there's there's there's, a, there's quite a, a lot of them who who deserve to be the, who work hard who do their job, but like a lot of them are just in it for, basically for the show. That's that's how I feel.
3: Hi, this is anonymous, and I'm doing my master's at I think the justice um, system, or rather the police system in South Africa, is a bit. It's just scattered all over the place because. A lot of um, these young people who go into the police force actually go there for for the money. And usually if you like take a job because of the money, you, you end up not doing the, the job right. And that's why we usually get a lot of um, these police officers who are very corrupt and who will do anything to, to make sure that... Um, they get the bribe or and bypass all the, the laws that applies to, to the justice system. So if you actually go into the police force with the aim of saving your country, like most um, older or senior police officers, that's when you actually love your job and do it the way or do it um, the best way you possibly can. Okay, my name is Sulan zama i'm a student here at F doing a master's in African languages. Uh, I think uh, my view on the police i think them they serve uh, themselves they need to to be jailed because they are corrupt they take bribes from whoever here in South Africa you can be above the law if you have money so I think government needs to do some things with the police or I think it should uh, raise up their uh, salaries in order for them to not to take bribes or but I think the the, the government in general should do something about this other than that uh, our policemen are doing a very good job
4: yeah my name is Vusani I think uh, briefly my take on police that, that they're not well equipped well not well trained uh, at the same time not well paid uh, uh yeah mostly just that uh, there's nothing much that I can say most of the things that we're experiencing maybe in terms of crime in uh, the spike in crime corruption it just, it's more like related to them not being paid enough not being trained enough i mean most of them they just go for training for about six months the police need to be need to have a military training you see Uh, look at situations where you you find that you have a uh, police you are being told that police can't even handle a public disorder you are a policeman how are you not able to 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 deal with such things so i think uh, training Payment as well. Yeah, those are the kind of things that I feel they need to be dealt with at the moment. Lawful 88.1 point of information.
0: That was very interesting what we got from the feedback um, that we got. A lot of people, I mean, a few, cited, no, some of them do work hard and then others said, ah, maybe they're just not well trained and equipped, they're not well paid. Then we got the majority who spoke about bad service, they don't look after uh, our immigrants, and basically they are in it for the money, they handle cases trivially, the bribes corruption. I
1: think interestingly, not a single one of them mentioned any ill treatment at the hands of the police. They talked more about poor service They didn't speak so much. In fact none of them spoke about any brutal and brutality or or anything along those lines. But yes, we have a group Generally in Puntaine we were of a particular. Yeah, maybe if
0: we asked about these must fall, we would have gotten a very different kind of answer. Have, yeah,
1: but it's interesting that none of them did actually mention anything about police brutality.
0: Although someone did say that the police must train at the military.
1: Yeah, yeah, which is, yeah. <laughs> okay, uh, joining us now is Brigadier Denise uh, Bjorkis, and she's the head of labor litigation and resources support uh, in the provincial Legal Services Department in Um hello Brigadier, hello
0: Brigadier, Bierkus, are you on, with us on the line? Okay, it seems we don't yet have uh, the yeah. Brigadier on the line with us because we want to basically find out from her whether she actually agrees with some of the things that the youth have been saying. Brigadier, are you now with us right here on Law Focus? Oh, can you hear me? We yes, can hear you loud and clear. Welcome oh, okay, to the show. Good. You are with Teppo and Millicent. I don't know if you were listening. Did you hear what the youth had to say about the police?
5: Yes, I was
1: listening. Some of the comments are concerning, and other ones are positive. Yes, yes, yes. Um, uh, Brigadier, you know, uh, recently we've just uh, celebrated um, Youth Day, uh, which is the commemoration of quite a a few youths losing their lives in the fight for democracy in this country. And um, in moving forward, uh, one of the things that changed in the South African police force was that it became Referred to as the police service um, And um, some of the ranks changed okay, they changed back into military style But are the youth seen generally as an ally of the youth? Would you say that?
5: Sorry, you just broke up again. Sorry, you just ask you again. sorry
1: have you, Would you say that the police services have moved from being an adversary of the youth in the past to being an ally of the youth today? sorry you broke up again Uh, the the position of the youth and the police in the past it was very adversarial there was antagonism between the two particularly in the old days would you say that that has changed now that the youth and the police see each other as allies
5: I think it's changed a lot. If you look at uh, many of the youth programs that the South African Police Service is running at the moment, and also the attitude of our scholars and youth and our students towards the South African Police Service, I think there's been a huge change, Mm. you know, over the past 10 or 15 years or so. Mm. Mm. Is it a good change or is it a bad change? No, a very positive change. If you look at, um, you know, things that we have running at the moment, the different programs within the South African Police Service, our interns that we have, our intern program, you know, our different um, programs with the youth. You can see definitely there's there's a positive change towards the South African Police Service. Um, it's not as antagonistic as you've got and the youth actually interested in becoming members of the South African Police Service and working for the South African Police Service, which wasn't like that before.
1: Mm, mm. Yes, in the past, uh, you know, becoming a police officer was seen as something abhorrent, <laughs> which has changed. Um, so, um, if we move on to perhaps um, the use of force when we effect an arrest. Now, there are certain instances um, when it is required of a police officer to use force when effecting an arrest, uh, given perhaps that the suspect is dangerous or that the circumstances will dictate that the use of force. Is this well understood by the public, this ability and, and sometimes need to use force? Do the public really understand that it's something that can and does happen and that it's not outside of the bounds of the law?
5: I don't think it's always very well understood by the public. I think one also has to, you know, distinguish between the situation where the police are using force to an effect an arrest in terms of the Criminal Procedure Act, and also where the police are, are forced to use force with your demonstrations and protest action. But, you know, there's a perception with the public that they have this absolute right to do certain things. Mm. But I mean, that that the right of, of one person infringed on the rights of another person. Yes. So so, so there's often a lot of confusion with the public who get very angry with us if we use any kind of force to make an arrest or in a, you know, a demonstration or protest action.
0: Yeah, I mean, you did mention that the use of force is also in line with the Criminal Procedure Act, but then how do you distinguish what what adequate force is and what too much force is? Is it a
5: fine line between the two? They had a very fine line. If you look at section 39 of the Criminal Procedure Act, when a police official is effecting arrest, he or she is given the power to, you know, if a person will not not submit to custody or submit to that arrest, that he can actually place his hand on the person's body or use force as necessary and that's where your section 49 also comes in which gives a police official the power to um, you know to use force and unfortunately in some circumstances when it comes to protecting you know life and limb sometimes the use of a firearm is used which can lead to deadly force, which over the years has been very, very controversial. Mm,
6: mm, mm. Even
5: before the Constitution came into effect, the interim Constitution in 1993, the Section 49 of the Criminal Procedure Act was always historically very controversial.
1: Yes, yes. Now, um, the right to protest in this country is now sort of inherent, however, most people don't know that actually there's a process of giving notice, etc., to your local authority, and so a lot of protest marches are done spontaneously in this country, and uh, the vast majority of them will actually not result in anything. The police will use a great deal of restraint. and, and either not break up the march at all, if it remains peaceful, or they will break it up very strategically if it is uh, uh, becoming a problematic one. But on occasion, it does happen that the police do use force. In which instances would they use force to break up, for instance, a protest march?
5: Yeah, I think the use of force by the South African police service during your demonstrations and protests is also probably the one that the public, you know, tends to understand the least because mm. although the constitution gives you the right to, you know, to protest peacefully and to demonstrate peacefully, that right is not absolute and can't infringe on the rights of other people. Yes. I mean, you can't have, um, you can't have a march that is, is disrupting, you know, your highways, your N1. People can't get to the airport, can't get to work. So you have to have a fine balance between the two. And then you also get your demonstrations, even those that have gone through the procedure of giving notice and have been, you know, on a proof route, that can turn nasty.
6: Mm, mm, Where the mm.
5: South African Police Service see that, you know, there's going to be, there's either already been somebody injured or somebody killed, or there's going to be, you know, um, serious damage to property, where the South African Police Service then has to use force. Mm, mm, to disperse that march, even if, if it has been, and march has been improved in terms of the regulation of gatherings act and that's often where we get our most criticism from yes because that's the
1: most public one isn't it it's the one that makes the news
5: yeah we're sort of damned if we do and damned if we don't you know damned if we if we do uh, you know respect the right of people to protest um i can perhaps relate a a personal story where a, a person who couldn't who'd been struggling to get a job for a year And they was prevented from going to a first job interview by protest action. Mm, mm. Who sat in my office crying and said, I've been trying to get a job for the past year. This protest action prevented me from going for a job interview. Um, You know, so that's the right of of one person who'd been infringed to give other people the right to protest.
1: Yeah, that's correct. Now, have you picked up? in your experience, that there is a gap between the training given to police officers to deal with those highly contentious or volatile situations um, and the situation on the ground. Is the, is, is the training in those scenarios where you're faced with a hundred Or or 200 young people, perhaps even teenagers, who have really no real understanding of the law, sometimes don't appreciate consequences that well. Does our training as the SAPS or Metropole, does it cater for that kind of situation and how to deal with it?
5: The training of the SABS definitely does. Our public order police officials are very well trained. You know, the this, stumbling this block in Gauteng is Gauteng is a, is a densely populated and very busy province. Mm. You know, when it comes to protest action in Gauteng, on any given day in Gauteng, there can be two, three, four, even more, you know, protests going on simultaneously. And there's only a limited number of police officials, you know, from the public order policing unit to attend to these protests. Mm. So so often that is problematic. It's not the training of the police officials, it's the number of police officials available at any one time. You know, it's as we often get criticized for with the regulation of gatherings Act like for this this in depth process, you know, of applying for for um a gathering and you know the the Golden Triangle meeting where planning is done. But I mean that planning is there to ensure that there are sufficient police officials, metro officials and traffic officials to police that gathering with your spontaneous protest action—you
1: know, there's no time to plan or get enough police officers in place. Yes, yes, yes. I mean, and and mind you, the uh, uh, such a gathering that's not in terms of the regulations is actually not lawful. But anyway, <laughs> uh, uh, but anyway, um, um, and if you would say um, to the youth, in uh, p- perhaps your advice to someone who is young today, perhaps who doesn't have the best view of the police at the moment, or perhaps is on the fence about it, or whatever the case may be. What would you say to a young person as a senior police officer about the Saps? You know, I think this lies very close to my heart. You
5: know, it's just down the road from my office, and i spent many cold nights at which during the freeze must fall. I mean, so that great Hall is freezing at 2 o'clock in the morning, mm. just for record purposes. You know, for the youth, I think it's important too uh, that they must be informed. They must read up on legislation. They must read up on, you know, what powers the South African Police Service has. And they must also respect the rights of their fellow South Africans. You know, as much as, as I agree that, that you are allowed to protest and it's one of your constitutional rights please don't infringe on the rights of your fellow south african you know your fellow south african who needs to go to work who needs to go to a job interview who needs to write an exam so i think respect for your fellow south african and also informing yourself on what are the laws of the land and what the south african police service can and can't do
0: i think Brigadier uh Byukes, Like in your response the this answer that you just gave now, and most of your answers have been towards uh, protests and mass gatherings in particular. Are you able to perhaps name specific other situations where you think maybe the youth should take heed to make sure that they still... Um, respect other people's rights besides um, within protest marches and large gatherings? Are there other specific examples that you can cite for us so that we are able to make sure that we live by?
5: I think it's just basically mutual respect. Respect for each other. Respect for the laws of the land. Don't drive when you're drunk. Mm. You know? Don't use drugs. Um, respect Woman, you know, respect your fellow students, don't steal. You know, all those basic things that our parents installed in us mm. are important. You know, those basic values that we have in life. Once you're following those basic values, then you are acting within the law. And then you're obviously going to put the South African Police Service out of work, but we're going to have a very peaceful society. Mm, okay.
1: Well, thank you very much for that, Brigadier. One, one final question for you before I let you go. Um, if a person feels as though um, the police haven't done, or the police have violated them somehow, say they've been assaulted or whatever the case may be, and they're very nervous, obviously, now to go to the nearest police station where the police officer that they're going to complain about would be stationed, what where should they go to complain about the behaviour of a police officer so that it can be Uh, investigated effectively.
5: I'm glad you've asked that question. We have an entire section at the Gauteng Provincial Office that deals with all the complaints against the South African Police Service in Gauteng. They are very efficient. They, you don't have to go to a... You now, these are specifically complaints about the South African Police Service. You're not happy with the service that you've received. You yes. know, you've gone to a station, you haven't been helped. They won't open a case. Any complaint about the South African Police Service. I'm going to give a number. Can I Can I go ahead and give the number? Go ahead. Yes, Okay, it's 082-442-2000. Mm-hmm. I'm going to repeat it, 082-442-2000. Okay. That is the Houten Complaints line. It's a, a dedicated group of officers who then open a, immediately open a complaint and investigate your complaint against the South African Police Service.
1: Right. Perfect. Thank you very much, Brigadier. We appreciate your time.
5: Thank you very much. And enjoy the rest
3: of your evening. Thank you, ma'am. Bringing you the facts, handing you your rights. This is Law Focus. Law Focus on
6: 88.1. Point of information.
0: That was interesting. I think just respect the Bill of Rights and we will all be A for OK.
1: Yes, we should be. Uh, but I suppose law enforcement wouldn't exist if everybody did that in the first place. Yeah. Yeah. So, yes. But I mean, if you are a a member of the public, uh, you you should really treat uh, the police force as though it is there to protect you.
0: Well, I wish we had more time because there's also issues of provocation. We didn't get into that, whether it's a member of the public who has provoked the police and Mm. the police then respond Mm. quite harshly to that provocation. Or it could be the other way around perhaps as well um, yeah, it could be. because as but people we all take advantage sometimes of situations remember and the
1: Brigadier did explain that they are trying to deal with situations so the Brigadier said that party. their
0: training is excellent
1: but and someone is, complained
0: is, about it but it, I don't it, know it,
1: it, it, when it's good that doesn't mean that there won't be complaints True. Uh, just because the training is good doesn't mean that there won't be any complaints and we do have a complaints procedure and I'd like the public to tell us how they've if they've complained uh, what's come of the complaints that they've had? Are
0: they happy? Are they with happy
1: with the outcomes? It has it gone anywhere? Them. Have they received feedback? Yes. I've never had to complain about the SAPs, so I don't know.
0: You've got something to complain about now.
1: I do. Uh, I do. I do.
0: <laughs> 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 and while he contemplates on whether he's going to complain or not, we do have on the line joining us Professor Peter Jordi. He has been in this practice for a very long time. He works with intellectual claims, particularly and especially against the police and his area of interest is police misconduct including torture i don't know if he has ever complained against the police perhaps he has seen that that's what he enjoys doing
1: well i'm sure he has if he against <laughs> them, i mean the minister of police is in court every day
0: <laughs> professor jordi welcome to law focus yes.
1: Good evening. And yeah. Hello to your
6: listeners.
0: Thank you so much. You are together with Millicent and Tapoy here. And we are glad that you are joining us. Let's start by asking you: Are police, uh, the use of force by police, is it to intimidate and instill fear instead of as a last resort for non-compliance generally?
7: Well, I, policing is a complicated business. So I'm sure that there are cases where police use force appropriately and as a last resort. And there are also cases where police act improperly. Um, The police force is a large organization with thousands of members, and it's interacting with members of the public every day across the country. And although the, the minister of police is in court facing civil claims every day. Um, Actually, I think it's a fairly small number of claims, considering the number of police overall and the reach of the police across the country.
6: Mm. Right, yeah,
0: yeah. And, and, And for you, in particular, who specializes in this line of work, what are the common cases that you have dealt with involving the use of excessive violence by the police?
7: Well, I deal with arrest and detention cases. I deal with malicious prosecution cases, right. assault cases in, involving simple physical violence, and also cases uh, arising from shootings and things like that, as well as torture cases. Now, mm-hmm. torture cases are not that common, but and they seem to come in waves. Sometimes I get none, and then suddenly there's a rash of cases, Um, What are the kind of cases I deal with commonly? uh, Are shooting cases, and you know, I have a few torture cases, but not that many
1: actually. You, you, You mentioned that some of the cases that you get do come in waves. Would that now be where, for instance, the police are having a difficulty in a particular area, um,
6: Mm
1: -hmm. so with law enforcement, and then you find that um, that is the area in which you may have some uh, laxity in discipline, and then you have these cases opening up because the police are just not coping with what's going on in a particular area.
7: That could definitely be the case that the police aren't coping, they're under pressure, and there's a outburst of inappropriate violence.
6: Mm. But,
7: you know, mm. it's not simply a question of the police. The police are there to protect us, the community in general. But the community also has to play its part. Prior to the elections, there were lots of protests taking place in Gauteng. Yes. And there are allegations that certain political organizations, certain political parties, played a prominent role in trying to stir up those protests.
1: Yeah, mm-hmm. For, um, to, 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 to create bad sentiment to the, to, to the party governing at the time.
0: It seems like we have lost uh, Professor Jordi for a moment. So while we try and get him back, I think he is mentioning a few important uh, points so far as well. And I think we really need to ask him next because the the points of the public have a responsibility also to live within and make sure that they are responsible within the framework of the law is a very important one um, because we need to find out then who has a greater duty. Should it be both the public and the police, or is it perhaps the police as the specialists, the trained people who are working within the ambit of the law, who have a greater duty Duty. to make sure that they always, even if they are provoked, um, work within the ambit of the law? I don't know whether you got my question, uh, Professor Geordie. Perhaps you can respond to it if you did. Sorry. Okay, so... So, you, were, you, 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 you you said that the public have a responsibility to also make sure that they respect the law and so
7: maybe.
0: i'm asking who does the police not have a greater earnest to make sure that they always act within the framework of the law even if they feel uh, uh, provoked and that is not to say that the public yeah, don't have maybe. the duty but the police should have more of a duty perhaps
7: Absolutely, I think the police have a a duty to resist provocation. Mm. Mm. And I would hope that in their training, they are taught to resist provocation. And despite inappropriate behavior by members of the public, they try to respond appropriately and in a balanced way
6: Mm.
7: on all occasions. Mm. The police often have to act uh, in cases involving drunk people. Yeah. Yes. People and and under the influence yeah. of drugs. Yeah. So I'm sure there is those two provocations all the time, very often.
0: Yes. Mm. And, and 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 would you say okay? Yes. Continue, please.
7: And I have little doubt that the law would require of a policeman a higher standard than could be expected from an ordinary member of the public. Absolutely. Okay.
1: okay. Well, uh, uh, Professor, if you look mm-hmm. at uh, our law. And you see that, all right, we have the defense of private defense. Uh, to, to our listeners, that will be now when you act in your own defense or you act in the defense of a third party. Now, normally, the private defense is fixed in time and space so it's very narrow in that you know the, the attack must have commenced it, it shouldn't all be imminent shouldn't have ceased and it should be proportionate to the unlawful attack against you. when you use the, your, your defenses now that's fairly narrow and often the the role of law enforcement won't fall within the ambit of private defense neatly and so then if we left it at that you'd only for instance have you might expose the police to unnecessary litigation okay so then we have the legislature who X the CPA and they are then empowered under certain circumstances to use force even if it falls not strictly within private defense does the public understand that that it, a police officer is empowered to do certain things because he needs to be able to carry out law enforcement. We often see people with an outcry of emotions and and, and unhappiness and oh whoa and what is going on here without a genuine understanding that this is a duty of a police officer. He can't run away from the situation. He has to protect members of the public or property or whatever the case may be. Do members of the public truly understand that? Or am I making presumptions?
7: Well i don't know what the member of the public Mm. on average thinks Mm. but uh, i would hope that the member of you know members of the public are reasonable people and they take that balanced view after trying to consider what the possible circumstances could be Mm. um i would hope Mm. but you know you see people reacting in in a violent way um in kangaroo court type situation yes. where there is a sudden outburst of violence against a, pretend, uh, a person who's potentially committed a crime mm. yes. and sometimes those people are killed in the street by a mob, Yes, which is entirely inappropriate. And if those people are acting inappropriately in those circumstances, then their view of uh, how a policeman should act may well be an inappropriate view. Mm.
6: Mm. Yes,
7: well let me... You know. Um, mm-hmm. Politicians often call for the army to be brought in to deal with essentially a community policing problem. Yes. So if politicians are calling for that, and I would say that is an inappropriate uh, call, mm. then I can't say that members of the public on average have a, a balanced view, despite my hope that they are reasonable.
1: Right. The reason I ask it is, let me take the most controversial example we have, was Marikana, which was about uh, seven odd years ago. And what we essentially have is a group of men who are really aggrieved, and they have good reason to be aggrieved, and they're armed. And they approach a facility, and a, a week or so prior to that, they'd caused the death of at least one security official, and now they're approaching told to leave, repeat occasions, keep advancing, and then it results in a bloodbath. And what we see being reported is how much, rightly or wrongly, is how tragic it is on the on the deceased and their families, etc. Et what you don't see reported as much is the duty of the police officer, the position the police officer is in, the thoughts, for example, of um, what was going on uh with their colleagues who had passed away a week ago had been b- murdered a week ago you, perhaps, see. you see and so that's what i'm
7: getting poli- at while the police officers could personally sympathize or feel aggrieved at the murder of their fellow police officers mm. a few days before the ultimate shooting took place nevertheless there are police officers and they must and have a balanced approach but as far as marikana is concerned i would say that the failure by the police was a failure to act
1: with sufficient vigor from early on okay. Where prior to is, the confrontation you mean to the ultimate confrontation. prior to the ultimate confrontation mm-hmm.
7: they shouldn't have allowed a mob to murder people Continuously over over days, murdering people day by day by day because it was just one or two people who were murdered mm. in the preceding days, and not just police officers. Mm. So, well, there were two police officers mm, who yes, were murdered, yes. the police should have acted much earlier. Mm.
6: Mm.
0: So, so and Prof. Jordy,
7: okay. So, I would say that Khan is an example of poor policing because there was not sufficient intervention at an early stage. Mm. Hmm.
0: Does that then mean that... Also,
7: Marikana is an example of poor policing because ultimately when the police did react, they massively overreacted and out of the public eye to some extent murdered quite a few people.
0: So it then goes again to that whole notion that the training that the police receive perhaps on the ground, and, and the challenges that they face on the ground sometimes are just far-fetched from each other. they two different, um, almost disciplines. And why would you say this is the case, that we have this problem in South Africa?
7: Well, I don't know that it's a problem in South Africa. I think it's, a, it's probably a worldwide problem where you're dealing with humans and or you've you're given training and mostly you comply with your training but there may be a fair few circumstances where you forget what you were meant to do and overreact Mm. and marikana may be an example of that but you know it's it's quite an egregious example of police misconduct ultimately
0: Mm. but to be fair would you then say that the police in south africa Um, have tried to undo the violent culture within the policing system that they were so accustomed
7: to under apartheid? On the one hand, there has been an attempt to do that. If you go into a police station, you will see notices up about police integrity and essentially a promise by each police officer to behave appropriately and with integrity you will see notices up warning police officers not to conduct themselves in ways which would expose the minister of police to civil claims
6: Mm.
7: that's on the one hand but on the other hand and this has been going on for years um after 1994 the minister of police called a meeting of police officers in orlando um stadium thousands of police officers and told them that policemen must treat a suspect like a dog does a bone mm. that minister is no longer with us but there are you know there's a there're new police officers, ministers who've taken their places and they have said similar things about the use of force and the use of violence now it is appropriate when the police are facing a serious threat that they counter that threat with force that's appropriate but these calls by the minister have not always been with that limitation yeah, but, yeah. you know uh, the force that is used must be a reason Mm.
0: Mm. perhaps then for our last question with you Professor Peter Jordi, what can be done to improve the relations between the police and the public and particularly the youth
7: well first of all we must look at the police force or the police service rather as an organisation that is there to protect us all without them Can you imagine what life would be like? That's on the one hand. But on the other hand, I hope that the police reduce the levels of corruption within the the police themselves Hmm. and try to secure convictions of criminals. Because if they do that, the respect that the community has for them will rise and people will cooperate with them.
6: Mm -hmm. whether
7: those members of the public are youthful or more mature, Uh, older people. I don't think it's got to do with the youth or mature people or, you know, we're all citizens or members of the community and we all depend on the police. Um, We need to cooperate with the police. We need to give them information. If we have knowledge of criminal activities, take place we should furnish that information to the police and we must have high expectations of the police and hold them to those expectations
6: Mm
7: -hmm. so your former the former the brigadier who was speaking to you gave you uh, gave listeners a uh, telephone number where they can lodge complaints when they see serious misconduct by the police they should lodge a complaint if you are aware of police taking bribes or or trying to extort bribes from members of the public, let the police know so that those evil police officers may be rooted out
6: mm-hmm.
7: mm. and hold politicians to a high standard so that they as our representatives will hold government officials to a high standard.
6: Mm-hmm.
7: It's it works across the board. It's not okay. something that is confined to the
0: belief. Absolutely. Absolutely. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight on Law Focus, Professor Peter Geordie. Thank
1: you, Professor. Thank you. And
0: good night. Good night. So that was Professor uh-huh. Geordie joining us on the line, and he gave us really good information. Um, on how we should behave in relation to the police and also the expectations that we ought to have for the police and how they ought to be behave in relation to us to the us. public
1: that's correct yeah.
0: yeah so i don't know do you think that the youth might be having a different chain of thoughts in how they think about the police or so it might take some time still
1: I think we've come a long way. I really do think we've I remember when I was uh, young, it's not that long ago, even though it sounds like it was long ago. And, uh, you know, being a police officer, particularly being a, a black police officer, was seen as something that was akin to being a Brutus, mm. you know, a Judas, uh, someone who was there to act against his own country. Traitor. Traitor. That has disappeared you don't find too many youths who have that perception of police officers anymore, which is a big step uh, in in turning people's minds away from it's us versus them. Yeah. But, we still have challenges, I think we've come a very long way, but we still have a great deal of challenges to yeah. work with, and and those will be my place as an individual, as a citizen of this country. What's my place in terms of law enforcement? Mm. Am I breaking the law? Should I allow others to break the law? What can I do when I'm unhappy about service? And you can, if you live in Gauteng, you can dial this number 082 442 2000, and that's the SAPS complaints number.
0: Absolutely. I think, Shane, some of the You know, why the police have so much to deal with And why some of these mistakes of If it's a mistake, police brutality I don't think it's ever actually intentional But it's also because some research states that they have targets that they need to meet for management and if they don't meet the, those targets it becomes a bit problematic for them you know every well, business has a target that it needs to achieve so uh,
1: you know but, but South Africa does have a very high rate of crime and on the and one, violence yeah on, on the one hand we do have a pol- uh, it's a, a problem a, we have a police force who not only needs to be fighting crime but also be seen to be fighting crime be seen to be serious about crime and not to be mollycoddling criminals yeah. on the other hand and we do want a civilized working police force that that uh uh processes its suspects and its arrestees or detainees in a humane manner, not militarily. Uh, yes, but and so we must find a balance between that. That they must be firm on crime, and where necessary, they will need to use force. Mm. And 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 if they don't exceed what the, the the amount of force that they should use, they should be fine. But where they do, we should pull them up on it. Yeah. But there must be a balance between the two.
0: And in case you missed it, the Gauteng complaints line again for the last time zero eight two. Four four two, two thousand. That's the number to dial. If you've got any complaints that you have against the police, maybe even compliments or you know, and suggestions can be given. I don't think that's a bad idea. Let's do that. Let's help the police force in South Africa. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I mean, uh, we we complain a lot. If you have something nice to say, I don't know if that's the correct line to use, but I mean, post it on their, on their Facebook I'm pages. sure they'll be so happy to uh, hear that. So yeah. We'd
0: like to thank you so much for joining us tonight. The, our guest, that was Brigadier Denise Bierkes from Legal Services at the Gauteng Province and Professor Peter Jordi, who is from the WITS Law Clinic and is an Associate Professor at the University of the WITS from our producers in Bahonde, our technical producer, Gudrano okay. Sirami, our law focus researchers, Sisetu Zingeloa, Nalka Musita, Halelezanghami, Sipati Makafani, Mohapi, and myself, Melissa Thank you for tuning into law focus tonight.
6: Law focus on the author point of information. Law focus podcast.